Welcome back to Soul Back. This is the R&B Podcast. Kyle here, and I have Ed with me. Ed, what is going on? Look who's back, player. Guess who's Bizak? Your boy is back after a nice and much-needed trip back to the home country, the homeland, the motherland of VA. Happy to be back on the podcast, and I see that Tom is running scared because he knew I would probably terrorize him now that I'm back on board. <laughs> well, actually... Uh... You have to confirm whether this is true or not, but you made a pit stop in Atlanta last week, and uh, rumor has it you were at a Migos concert. I was at a pit stop, all right, and it was the pits and the Migos concert. I was going to say would be better than me stuck in traffic for two hours, but probably not. I think I was better holding my bladder, stuck in, sitting in unmoving traffic for 90 minutes than listening to those dudes mumble through stir-fry. Jeez, that's what it's like in the A. That's how. That's what it's like in ATL. VA is fine, other than the wow. mass shootings and terrible stuff there. Yeah, that's another. All right. And then another uh, picture we found of you. You were double fisting uh, Slurpees. Why do you have two Slurpees with you? Well, listen. Anybody who knows your boy knows that I am a Slurpee fanatic. But unfortunately, the last two states that I've lived in—first Kentucky and now Alabama. There are no 7-Elevens here. I don't know what the deal is. When I go to VA, there's literally one on every corner. If you drive down the street, you're passing four. So while I'm home, best believe I'm re-upping on my Slurpees. So yeah, I was double fisting, triple fisting. I was tearing up some Slurpees. Wow. But I know one thing that you weren't doing. You weren't eating chicken the way that Tom eats chicken. And what I mean by that, Ed, I sent you a thing on instagram detailing how people eat their chicken wings now if you haven't yes. seen this clip let me detail for you guys so there's three ways you can eat it option a which is actually the way that tom eats it surprisingly he pretty much just takes a bite of the chicken wing doesn't even attempt to clean the bone and he just tosses it away option b which surprisingly <laughs> option b which is i think where my girlfriend would fit in this She'll eat most of it, but she'll leave the cartilage on the top and the bottom of the wing aside, and then she'll toss it away. And then there's option C, which is where I think both of us fit in. We just clean the bone from top to bottom, left to right. It's all gone. All you have left is the bone. Ed, clean the bone, player. Look, I came on, up... on Tom. <laughs> First of all, my thoughts on Tom are the usual slander. Player, listen, if you get... A, I don't know how much your wings cost from wherever you are listening to this podcast right now. Let's say you get like six wings. If you only bite the middle of the six wings, look how much chicken that's wasted. That's a whole meal that you're throwing away. You need to clean that bone, dog. And I have to get on my wife, too, because she's kind of in that Tom category where she'll like bite the middle and leave the rest. What a waste. If you go to my grandparents' house right now and if you go to my grandparents in Portsmouth, Virginia right as we speak, hometown of Missy Elliott by the way, if we go there they serve you some wings and you bite the middle of it and throw it away, they'll probably hit you in the head with a, uh, a frying pan because they do not play that yeah I didn't understand there were so many or I didn't realize there were so many people that didn't eat the cartilage, that's like the good stuff it tastes good it's good. And even if you don't, even if it's like your girl and you just kind of like do a little bit around it. And sometimes when I'm in a rush or if I'm not feeling it, maybe I'll do the same. But I am not going to leave 60% of the meat on the bone. Y'all just throwing money away. Must be nice to be so rich. I'm kind of getting my money's worth for my six wings. Uh, so with that said, can we give Tom a player, please? Oh, we give Tom player, please, any and all the time. Twice on Sundays. <laughs> and there you have it. So, Ed, a lot has happened since uh, you've been on the podcast. We had Jagged Edge one week, and then I had Brandy from Black. And we've also had a lot of new music discussion, but we're going we're gonna to scrap all of that aside because, Ed, I have one new song that you've been really excited about. I think you've been waiting for this for years now. There's been a lot of anticipation. Drizzy Drake and cousin Chris Brown, they've formed like Voltron to create the song No Guidance. And Ed, I know you were really excited when you heard about the news, but the song itself, yay or nay? 
Clay, a form? Did you say form like Voltron? This is form like a GoBot. This is the cheesiest, lamest $1.1999 dollar store right a stuff I have ever heard. This song, <laughs> well, first of all, this song is exactly what you would expect. Jokes aside is what you would expect in 2019. And it's Honestly, all this wrong with quote unquote R&B in 2019. First, you got Drake, who does his R&B singing. And don't get me wrong, I like some of Drake's R&B stuff. But when he's essentially just mumbling and then does that little whoop at the end of his verses, that's not R&B. That's talking in your sleep. So that's his verse. This very sorry, mumbly verse. Then your boy, my cousin Chris, who thankfully I didn't get to see while I was home. Just jumps on the track screaming and yelling with auto-tune. So he's, if this is singing, this is news to me because this is just Transformer yelling. So you got Drake who's sleepwalking through his verse. You got Cousin Chris who's yelling through his. And this is an R&B song. Please help me find out how that is possible in 2019. Well, Ed... I'm going to defend your cousin Chris on this one, as I normally do. First and foremost, I'm blaming Drake Drake for this collaboration. Because number one, this sounds like a Drake song. And then Chris Brown just added like a verse to it. Oh, I agree there. Number two, Chris Brown was not yelling in auto-tune on that song. That's what you call energy, Ed. That's what we need. Oh, my. Some enthusiasm. Enthusiasm? Sleep-talking music. No, Ed. Chris Brown did his part and he did it well and let me remind you here chris brown who is set to drop a 37 track album which we'll talk about in a sec his first single undecided you liked that record didn't you no now that's first of all let's clear up a few things because yelling into a what chris cousin chris was doing was essentially yelling into a ceiling fan it's like when we had back in the 80s when we had those fans before they had the central air popping in everybody's houses. You had those little floor fans and you were yelling it and it make you sound like, uh, that's exactly what he's doing. He's yelling into a fan and calling it a song so he can have a seat. Secondly, yes, undecided. If you recall one of our earlier podcasts, I said that I really enjoyed the song for the nostalgia. That means when he swiped that beat, from I Love Your Smile, listening to it made me want to listen to I Love Your Smile. The production is cool. But what he brought to the table was slim and none. Because the difference between... Now, I may have brought this up on the podcast. The difference between what he did there and what Mariah did when she sampled the Lil' Kim beat, Crush On You, is that Mariah was able to take a sample but make it her own song. Cousin Chris basically rolled the entire vibe and the entire melody and the entire everything that already was done by Shanice. So it sounded too much like her song. It sounded like karaoke. Whereas Mariah just basically did her own thing over a more established beat. That's the difference between those two songs. I like Undecided better than this new song, but I'm not really a fan of it. <laughs> All right. Well, Undecided was a hit. And then his second single, Back to Love, which he like scrapped two days after it came out that's actually and that's actually a good song i don't know if you've heard that I, one but that one's not bad I, I remember hearing it but i can't remember a thing about it so that doesn't bode well for this 400 song album that's dropping that can't be good and then uh of course his current single was the one with Nicki minaj and uh i'm just gonna delete that when the album comes out so we're just gonna pretend that doesn't exist but oh my Ed, goodness yes that would mean in terms of good songs he's two for two or I guess in your case, if you don't like Undecided, he's at least one for two, which is still 50%. And with his great catalog, this album is going to be great. So I'm blaming Drake for this record not being good, to, uh, Ed. So let's, for, let's recap for the listeners. We are guaranteed to get one good song out of 37. And we can blame Drake for all that's wrong with the world. I'm okay with the second. But I don't know if I'm okay with the first. <laughs> yes. Um, anyways, Ed, Chris Brown's new album, Indigo, will be out at the end of the month. And the people really want to know, because I know you reviewed his last one, will you be taking the, your time to review this album as well? 
Because I know you almost uh, died listening to the last one. Yes, and you said that this drops June 28th, I believe? Yep. Well, I hope by June 30th that you get your plane tickets ready because you will be coming to my funeral. Because that is when they will put me in the ground after getting through this album. Because I don't think my soul can take it. I will do it for our listeners, but it was nice knowing y'all. Well then. <laughs> uh, on to some better news here. Raphael Sadiq announced Jimmy Lee, his first album in eight years. Aren't you excited for a Raphael Sadiq album? Yeah, I'm pretty excited about this one. I know he came out with a new single, too, I think, leading up a couple days before we're recording now. I haven't had a chance to catch up on everything since I got back in town. But Raphael never disappoints. One of the better songwriters and, unfortunately, kind of underrated and overlooked in 2019 as far as his accomplishments. So anytime we get new music and a new project from him, it definitely has my ear. And we definitely... With it being about halfway through the year, we could deserve to have another strong R&B contender for album of the year, and my boy just might do that. And that album will come out August 23rd. Now, Ed, I gotta say something. It might be a little controversial, but as far as all these new female R&B acts go, and, you know, I love my girl Her. I love mm-hmm. my girl Ella May. Summer Walker mm-hmm. is cool, too. But, you know what? Queen Nija, she's yeah. been dropping some solid records, and she might be my favorite just based off the sound that she's going with. I can't fault you there. I remember when she first dropped, I was very skeptical because some of the kids that I mentor were like, oh, I'm going to say, well, you got to check her out. She's so good. And every time they check out, they ask me to check out some weirdo on YouTube. I expect them to have 97 different colors in their hair and just like mumbling through their verses. But I really liked the sound that I heard from her and her new track, which you actually shared with me, is pretty fun, too. So it'll be interesting to see if it's that time for that 2000s R&B to make its way back, um, you know, from a sampling standpoint, because I know, and we'll talk about him later, didn't DJ Khaled sample Miss Jackson by Elkest? Oh my gosh, talking about terrible albums this year. Yes, he sampled it and it was awful. Shout out to your girl SZA, because she just did a horrible job with that song. And no offense to her, I, I like SZA. But it was just an ill-advised move overall. But yeah, I think that Nigel has some... I don't want to... And I want to be careful how I say this. Because I know y'all going to run up in my mentions. And if you want to do that, you know how to do it. E.T. Bowser on Twitter. Holler at me, not Kyle. <laughs> but she has some vibes that remind me of that mid-2000s Keisha Cole. And when we mm-hmm. had that mid-2000s Keisha Cole, we were often reminded of... The queen herself, Mary J. Blige. I feel like that she is kind of the evolution of those two artists. I'm not saying that she's got my life on deck or that she's got anything as good as Keisha Cole because we have only heard kind of snippets of what she can do so far. But there is a lot of the way that she constructs constructs songs. There's a lot of the themes or where it's pain versus love and, and yada yada in her music. There's a lot of that that is very comparable to those two artists. So I really see a lot of her, a lot of those two artists in her. Not saying she's as good, but it definitely gives me that vibe. Yeah, and I would say and argue that, and I agree with you, I would also say Ella May. And it's funny because now we can look back because we're a little older and we can say she reminds me of so-and-so. I would say Ella May kind of reminds me of like Ashanti when she first came out. It was just that fun R&B. That's what LMA does. I can see that. I wouldn't necessarily make that comparison, but because I feel like when it comes to actual, um, I don't want to say star power because Ashanti has stronger star power. But when it just comes to kind of that intangible presence on vocals, again, I'm not saying that LMA is, is freaking Whitney Houston. But there is something there that I feel like is very striking when she has a great song. Some of her stuff can be hit and miss, but when she has a great song, there is something that connects through her vocals and her music. And I Mm. think that that's something that she has kind of an advantage over Ashanti. But I see where you're going, and I do agree with it, because they both make really fun, solid R&B songs for their audience. Yeah. Now, where would you say... 
what would you say her is in terms of her comparison? Because I know a lot of people are trying to shove that Lauren Hill title on her, um, which I think everyone wants to be compared to Lauren Hill. But where do you see her fitting in? I don't know if I see her fitting in. And the and the reason why people are throwing her into Lauren is because she's got a freaking guitar. And that's all it is. Like, take away the guitar, no. Like, that's... I don't really see Lauren Hill there. There is a mix of mid-90s slash neo-soul, kind of like this mashup with a sprinkle of 2010s kind of songwriting ability, that, that kind of very in-your-face Frank songwriting. So I see a lot of elements of everybody, but her is original enough that I can't really compare her, and that's a good thing. You always want to be the first her and not you know, the next Lauren Hill. So I think that speaks to her that there's nothing that completely stands out as far as her looking exactly like a former artist. But there's so many elements of kind of our legends that are embedded in her music that it kind of makes her stand out a little bit. Yeah, I would agree. I mean, I, I had seen some comparisons to Alicia Keys, and I think I can hear it vocally. But, I mean, Alicia Keys was attached to that piano, and I think even though her can play it, we mostly associate her with the guitar, so maybe not Alicia Keys, but it'll be interesting. I mean, of the three, I think LMA has definitely had the most success from a mainstream standpoint, but her seems to be the one that the old folks, such as myself and you, like. So, we'll see. I think it, when it comes down to it, her just has something that feels like it could be... When I listen to like an Alicia, and I've talked about this before because we just celebrated the anniversary of her debut album. Um, I was not a big fan of her debut album. As many people gasp and clutch their pearls, I didn't really like her debut. It was okay. I thought it was vastly overrated for what it was, but it was fine. But there was something about her presence, her songwriting ability, her performances. It's like this is a superstar who will last throughout the next decade. And her second album, I absolutely adore. I thought it was five stars. It's one of the best of the past 20 years or so. And she had gone on to be one of the major stars in R&B. There was just something there. There's enough talent there to see this is going to be a big one. That's what I feel about her. So even though she doesn't yet have the big blockbuster songs, and the way that Billboard is now with charts and stuff, it's almost impossible to kind of equate that success to talent. It's always been a problem, but it's even become even more crazy now. But there's something about her that, to me, I feel like when we're having this podcast in 2029, we'll still be talking about her. And there's some artists that we'll be talking about today and tomorrow and on the last podcast that we will never talk about again after two years. Yeah, and you know what? I, I was talking to Tom about this, too, that even though they're not relevant in, in 10 years or so, it doesn't mean that their career is as, as, is, uh, isn't as significant. We were just talking about Sierra on the last podcast, Ed. And I had said that her career as a mainstream artist was over. And people got mad at me, but it's not as bad as it sounds. Well, people have a very, in the Sierras especially, because of her story. I love Sierra's story. I like Sierra as a person. Y'all know how I feel about that music. Anyway, people are very connected to their artists, and to their artists and the and the the music they grew up on, and especially fans. And then we're not even gonna talk about the stands, but we'll probably get on those later. But fans are very connected to their faves, and when you kind of say, "Oh, they're fading out of mainstream spotlight," there's such a weird connotation that we have now with so and so fell off, or so and so was irrelevant. And it makes it sound like they're rumbling through the gutter in the trash can. And that's not the case at all. There are a lot of people out here in the spotlight who are barely paying their bills. And it's a lot of people behind the scenes making real bank. Sierra had a great career in the spotlight. And I kind of agree with you. I do not think we're going to see Sierra to the level that we saw in 2005. It's just how the cycle of the game goes. Will she put out another decent song here or there? Probably. Hopefully it's better than that last album, but probably. Other than that, I don't think that it's insulting to say that, you know, we've seen the best, her best days. All careers have an arc. They go up and they go down. And some of the legends will yep. see a revival, like a Mariah in the Emancipation Era. We see a, an uptick. But 
that's just how it goes, y'all. It doesn't mean that your fave still ain't your fave. Rock with it. But it's just how it goes. Well said, and I think a case of the emancipation is so rare in the industry, we can't expect that from everyone, and nor should we. So, um, yeah, I mean, best of luck to all these artists that are coming out that have already come out. There's a place for you as long as you continue to make quality music. Um, speaking of quality music, there's a couple more records that came out. We didn't really get a chance to cover it this week. Maybe next week when Tom is back. Life Jennings dropped a new record. The Hamiltones, they dropped their new EP, Watch the Tones. And new artists on Republic, Kiana Lede, who uh, a lot of fans really like. She dropped her new EP as well. Well, we, we got to get our guest in the building right now. So guys, grab your popcorn, grab your soda. And guys, we recorded this interview during one of the weeks when Ed was off. So it's just me and Tom on this one if you're wondering where Ed went um, during this segment. But still a great interview, so check it out. And like I said, every week we try to bring in someone special, someone who has brought soul back. And Tom, you're really excited about this one, aren't you? Yeah, this is an artist we've been supporting for years now. Someone we're excited to bring on the podcast. And when we were talking recently, our favorite R&B artist of the past decade since like 2010, this is a name that kept coming up. You know, he's constantly putting out good music, mixtapes, his albums, his new ones out now. Welcome Adrian Marcel to the podcast. What's up, man? Oh, wow, man. Thanks for that introduction. <laughs> that's, Absolutely, that's, man. I appreciate it. I appreciate the love and support, man, throughout the years, for real. So thank you guys for having me. Absolutely. For sure, for sure. Now, Adrian, before you got on the podcast, you know, we were trying to schedule you in, and Tom and I were going back and forth, and I was like, do we really want Adrian on the podcast right now? Because he's from the Bay Area. And Adrian, I'm from Canada, and the NBA Finals <laughs> is going on right now. And I thought we needed to wait until the finals was over, but hey, man, you got a new uh, album out. Man, well, you know, number one, go Warriors. Um, <laughs> it, <laughs> uh, but um, no, the album uh, 98th is is out right now on all digital platforms. Um, it's my it's my newest offering, you know, to what I I like to I like to say is a. Um, you know, just a, a, a rebirth in a in a way. You know, what I'm saying I hate that that's you know to be that corny, but you know, just uh, a reintroduction to you know who I am now. You know, um, I've been very blessed to be able to you know live live a life that um, are you just you know I just have dope experiences. I get to you know grow with my family, with my loved ones, with you know uh, with with traveling the world and, and seeing different things. You know, you just kind of grow and you start to um, you know, you start to find yourself more and more um, and, and settling who you are, you know, and sometimes that's taking it back and that's going back to, you know, your best moments and your most confident moments, you know. So uh, the the title 98th is is that time that I settled in and that I, I, I feel like I've gotten back to, you know, after after so long, you know, when I when I moved to 98th and MacArthur in, uh, in East Oakland, you know, I was in high school. I was going to an art school. Um, I was the new kid, but I knew I had it, and I knew I was, um, I knew I was the shit. <laughs> you know, so <laughs> it was, it was like, all right, I'm, I'm, I'm finally somewhere where, you know, I can be challenged and 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 I could, you know, learn more about this craft that I love so much. You know, and those were the years that I was just at my most confident peak, you know, and not to say that I haven't been that confident, you know, I have, and I've always known, you know, the type of music that I want to do and that I want to give to the world. But, um, you know, I had to really, uh, I had to really accept that back then I was, I was free, you know, and, and I was, um, it wasn't about the money. It wasn't about the, the fame or the popularity. It was about the love of music and, and, growing in my craft. You know what I mean? Like the dream right. back then was not Grammys. The dream back then was to be the best at what I do, like make music that I love, that the people around me, the type of people who are like me love, you know what I mean? To give, to give a message where, you know, it, it really say, it really meant something, you know? So at, I, I realized it's like, well, well, damn, I am free. You know, I, I am there and I should be that confident. So let me go back to that. Let me get back into that space, into that era. And back then I was listening to certain music. I started listening to that music again, 
um, albums that I hadn't listened to in years. And it was like, yo, this is back when we used to mob in the in the Windstar van. And, you know, we used to be yeah. down 9-8 running woo, 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 but, oh, man. And that mm-hmm. feeling, that confident, this young era, this young, confident kid that everybody was like, yo, that's the light-skinned singing dude right there. He don't. <laughs> hey, if, when he walk in, you better grab your girl because she already knows. <laughs> if they find out he can sing, that's all. You know what I'm saying? That's all she wrote. So I got back to that, and I just got in my bag, man. I went back in the studio, and I locked in with people who um, who I felt wanted to see me grow in, in every way, in my production, in my writing, um, in my mixing, in my mastering, because, we, you know, me and my people did it all. You know, so it was going back to that, literally, that kid that was like, I ain't got no money to go do this. Yeah, I got some money, but I don't have to spend it. It shouldn't have to be that way. I'm not going to go over here and pay $1,500 to this guy who's the best mixer and master because the Grammy, because he has two Grammys and they're like, yo, but every time I play this record, everybody goes stupid. Like they're like, I don't hear the problem with it. Okay. So it's about how it feels, how it felt back then. So my whole aura just kind of changed and who I was kind of changed, man. It was like, growing in life and being able to grow as an artist. And I think that's a a rare moment. So I was going through so many names and what I wanted to call this project. And as I told myself, just stop tripping on stuff like that. Just make the music, make good music and the music will will lead you. And that's exactly what happened. Like, it was like, yo, this gotta be called 98. This is 98. Like Mm -hmm. the only people in this room is from damn near 98, (laughs) like, or East or some sort. Like I ain't, I ain't called, Justice League or this people or, you know, uh, no ID or, you know what I'm saying? Like, I didn't I didn't reach out at all. I stood right in my box and said that stop taking the weight off of yourself. Lift the weight. Like, stop taking, stop throwing it off. Lift it. So do it all. If this, if this is going to be your reintroduction, you know, me starting my own label, Third Voice Music Group, and, and saying to myself, like, no, this is a real thing. This ain't no, like, that's the only thing different about it. In high school, it was just talk. Like, now it's real. <laughs> you know mm-hmm. what I'm saying? So as a businessman and as an artist and as a human being, I had to figure out what's that balance and and what you give to all of that. And I, and all of it just kind of came together, man, and that the fact that everyone is rocking with it, everyone is is really loving it, like the way they're speaking about it is it's really just a um, – it's really just a blessing, man, because I, I'm, I'm happy to say I didn't stand behind anything, nobody else but myself and my company and my people to make it so to make it happen and to put it out. And the fact that you're listening to it and you're saying, man, he always puts out good music. OK, so that's that was the start. And that was always the point. So this introduction of music could be the first bundle of music that you get to say, oh, OK, it ain't the label. It ain't the <laughs> it ain't that is right to it that it's him. It's him. Okay, mm-hmm. so now that we got that out the way, now let's get to this next batch of music. Now let's get to this because I've been working, because I've yeah. been back in the studio, and these are the songs that I wanted I wanted to get first. These were my introductions, you know, and and it's all on me. It's what I want to do, and that's, that's the freedom of it, and that's why it's 98, because back then, that's it. That's all it was, whatever I want to do. No, I'm not doing that. I'm doing this. Mm-hmm. And it got me a deal. It got me a hit record. It got me, you know, this knowledge and these fans, this fan base and this support the support system and all of that. That got me there. So me now today kicking that back in the gear. Where is it going to take me in another 10 years, another five years? Another, well, you know what I mean? Right. Um, that's dope. Yeah. Tom, I got pa- to pass it on to you because, you know, during our introduction, even even before the introduction, we had talked about, Adrian being one of our favorite R&B artists to come out of that 2010 era. And there's a, there's a plethora of artists that came from that era, but Tom, I know, and Adrian touched on good music. That's like the best mantra you can have as an artist. But Tom, I know one of the other reasons why you love uh, Adrian's music is just his ability to combine that trendy sound with some of those classical sounds, right, Tom? Is that why you like Adrian's music? Adrian really, you know, a lot of these artists who've come out in the past decade have come and gone. The music wasn't memorable. Yeah. 
it just wasn't really any oh, I grew up man. in the nineties, so yeah. it wasn't like yeah. something that really wa- yeah. stuck with me. So your music for me, you know, you combine traditional sounds with the trendy sounds, like you do that and it, it works. You know, it doesn't yeah. work for everyone. Yeah. And not only that, but what you're singing about is relatable. Like a lot of the songs yeah. I hear, you know, Trap and B, I can't relate to it. And and I grew up on right, music right, I can right, relate right. to. So right. that's why I feel your music. It hits me. Certain yeah. songs, like like I could just vibe with a song like a slow burn, like that song, you know, just sticks with you. You live with it and it sticks with you and it, you feel it. So that's, to me, the experience I get when I hear your music. And you know, honestly, man, it's it's a catch-22, you know, because the world and, and how it is right now, man, it's, it's like social media runs it all. You know what I mean? Popularity runs it all. Mm-hmm. So, you know, you have so many um, artists that have these outlets to just throw out whatever, whatever. They don't have to think about it. They don't have to try hard. You know, not all of it is garbage. Not all of it is the same, but it's just so much of it that it be the ratio gets thrown off. It's like you have to weed through it to find the good stuff that you can't relate to because half the half of them can't even relate to what they're talking about. So they're not yeah, even yeah. really giving you a real delivery anyway. You know, and you're and you're falling in love with beats these days. You're not really right. falling in love with the songs or you're falling in love with a melody. You don't really care about the lyrics. You know what right. I mean? It's like so I think with with my music it's I've always I've always just let that drive me like Okay, cool. You can have a million people on this one song and it can just go away quick. Or you can let it grow. These 100,000 can turn into 500,000, can turn into 800,000, a million, two million, three million, because the word of mouth and the respect and the, and the reputation that you have over, over your music and, and you really caring and talking about what people want to hear. Like, I'm going to still give you the you know, the, the trap snares every now and then. I'm going to still give you the thump because I'm from the town. Like, I'm from Oakland. That's that's mm-hmm. what that's what we like. Like, I'm not just all on the old school, you know, soul mission. Like, yeah, that's what I do naturally. That's, that's the singing ability and all that. But when it comes to how you want to hear it, though, like, I still want to slap, you know? So right. I always bring that to it, but I don't listen to... I don't listen to the, the the trendy songs. You know what I'm saying? I don't, I don't, I don't, I tried that. I tried to make the songs that were like, oh, okay. You know, the, the mob ends and stuff like that. You know, mm-hmm. it's dope, but you're, you're in a pool, a, a cesspool. Like you're just in a pool of just all kind of that, all levels of that. And how, how do they know that's real or not? Okay. So let me make some shit that, that you do know is real. I'm going to put some thump on this. And then I'm going to talk about how, you know what, these days, I don't know if we're going to make it because you ain't loving me the way I want to be loved. And who don't feel like that? Who ain't ever felt like that? One person, we all we all know, we all know pain. Everybody don't know love, but we all know pain. We all know when somebody don't love us, when somebody don't care. So how do I bring that and make you listen to it? Okay, well, let me get a good melody. Let me make sure the beat is slapping. And I'm going to make sure these lyrics it's coming across correctly to you, you know, and clear. So, you know, it's definitely like it's 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 not as hard as it seems when you're not trying to, you know, when you're really not trying to be trendy, man, when you're really trying to just create your own sound and create your own vibe, you know, you can't listen to other, to what the popular is because if it's popular, you're late already. It's already out. People already got yeah. it. So now you got to think ahead. You got to think, okay, how how music is and how it changes. You got to understand sonics and the waves and, and and what they are because it's like you can't move too quick. You know how many how many albums have we heard from Kanye where we didn't been like what what is this? And then three years <laughs> later we're like, ah oh, shit, man, it's the shit. Right, yeah, too early, <laughs> yeah, too early. So you exactly. can't be too early on them. You know, you gotta be right there. You just gotta. It's like watching water, man. Like when you watch the waves, look, look, look what the water is doing naturally before you go mess with it and go fuck with it and go try to emulate it. You know, it's you gotta, you gotta watch it. You gotta pay attention to what people feel and what they like, not just what they're listening to for a hot minute. You know, it's deeper than that. It's got. It has to be deeper than that, in my opinion. You know, so. I don't know how I stick to it as much as I do, man. I appreciate your words and you saying that because 
you know, sometimes I don't even realize that that's what I'm doing. I'm just honestly going off of what I feel and what I want to hear, you know, like what, what I'm, what I would like, what I, what I like my, what I used to like songs to say for me, you know what I'm saying? Like I mm-hmm. was a kid listening to heartbreak music. Come on now. Like what heartbreak you <laughs> yeah. going through as a kid, but you yeah. like, yeah, man, she broke up with me. <laughs> like, <laughs> You know, so I, again, again, that 98 spirit, I, that's what I call it. Like, that was my high school years, man. I wasn't going through no real heartbreak, but I was. <laughs> like, right. damn, man, she's going out with the homie now. Okay. <laughs> like, it's cool. You feel me? So that's that's really what it is, man. I think as long as you're, as long as you're able to relate to people in, in, a, in the times that they're in, then, you know, you can. But I think people know the difference, bro. People know when it's not real, and it's a right. it's a lot of phony. It's a lot of phony out here, but people know. That's why it doesn't last. Exactly. On the Now, Adrian, being that you've signed to a major, you know, previously, one thing we like to do on the podcast, we like to just try to figure out what's going on inside, not only an independent artist's mind, but also a major label's. Uh, artist mine and you know from watching one of your interviews i think it was with the breakfast club you had mentioned that uh the chris brown record back to sleep that was originally your record yeah 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 like how did how and then it got to chris like, how did that all happen <laughs> yeah well it happens a lot man uh in the in the industry because you know you have a lot of people who are all number one one in trying you know looking for their placements you know so Producers are sending everybody the beat that they just sent you and said that this is for you, you know. Um, so don't take too long because the other person who you didn't know had the beat too might might already pay for it or might already did something or you know. So on one yeah. end you have that, on the other end you have um, you have the labels that that move slow because they move off of what's popular and not what what you feel like again we talked about the waves like labels aren't looking for the well most labels and most ARs aren't looking at the waves so they're looking at what's already being done what's already hot you know so again they're late so they don't want to pay for this because they don't believe in this this is not the sound this is not this is not something that they can relate to you know what i'm saying right now because it's not popular so they don't pay for it and next thing you know Chris Brown got it, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's, um, you know, so, but it taught me a valuable lesson. I didn't, I'm not that artist, man, that sits back and soaks, man, and goes crazy. Like, oh man, I'm not, not where I was, or I'm not doing what, hey, this is all for a reason. You know, this is all for me to learn something. Like, I'm happy I was blessed to have this time to learn that I needed to be on my shit, that I needed to have my own label. I needed to have my own businesses and my my business affairs and everything in order. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's it's all for a reason. And and the lessons that I was allowed to learn was that, hey, you got to produce it then. You got to make sure you got to make sure you're all over this record that no matter what happens, whether it's a slow thing or it's moving fast, this is can't nobody else get this record without me saying without me saying it's okay. You know, it's right. you, you know you have to you have to learn and, and push yourself to be even better. Okay, this is that time that I'm supposed to I'm supposed to be even I'm supposed to be even more on my shit. I need to be producing it, writing it, mixing it, mastering it, um uh behind putting it out, uh behind how we how we gonna promote it, how we gonna do this, how we gonna do that. I mean every, you know, every detail. You know, not 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 a tyrant, but but a part of everything. You know what I mean? So I had to learn and, and grow, man, and that's really what made me start producing. And now I've produced eighty percent of this entire record. Hmm. Right. You so, know. And then, and then, Adrian, along with that, then um, you know, and, and these are all the lessons you've learned, and, and now you can look back at it now. But like. A record, and, and Tom and I talk about this a lot, is, is the record that Rico Love did for you, Spending the Night Alone. We both, we liked that song, but it never felt like an Adrian Marcel record. So <laughs> at the time, yeah. I mean, looking back at it now, you can have your thoughts on it, but give me the thought process as it's happening when the label comes to you and says, we want you to record this song. Like, 
as as a as an artist on the label, what what was the thought process uh, in, in, from your perspective? I recorded the record anyway, even though it was like, yo, I hope I hope that this is not the second record. This is more like, you know, the album record that's that solidifies things, you know. And they they were so adamant about it. And sometimes, you know, I guess the way we played it was more. We don't want to be the ones that are problematic, you know, because that's what it could be called, you know, whatever. So, hey, let's 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 run. Let's try it, you know, because I believe firmly that, hey, if I do it your way completely and it don't work, then I'm allowed to do it my way completely, too, yeah. and see if it works. You know what I mean? And that to me was the was the even exchange. I'm I'm cool. I'm cool with trying it and it don't work. Cool. It's all good, man. But let me do it my way now. And that didn't come afterwards. So for me, it wasn't the record. I had no problem with that record. I loved the, the, the song. I loved, you know, working with Rico Love, and it was a, a super dope experience that I learned a lot from in a matter of hours from doing After that, I didn't, I didn't get to do, to do it my way. You know, right. it was like, okay, well, now we're going to take your time. What the fuck are we doing? <laughs> you know, like, what the fuck are we doing? A country record now? Like, that's already out? Okay. <laughs> mm, All <yep>. right. <laughs> okay, let's get the fuck, let's get the fuck up out of here. <laughs> like, this, yeah, this yeah. ain't it, you know? But at the same time, like, I was blessed because, because, I, because I played it the way I did, you know, I was blessed to be able to walk away without owning shit, without having my head on a shelf with a bounty on it. You know what I'm saying? Like, how they do these artists and, and shit. I, I've talked to so many artists that's winning right now that are that tell me how horrible they're doing right now you wow. know and i'm and i'm sitting back like wow this shit's crazy that i'm i'm looking at it like damn okay i gotta do this don't know i gotta do this i gotta do this i gotta do this you know what i mean but hey that's that one thing that i ain't gonna ever worry about again is my time and and, and decisions being completely made for me Again, coming back to that 98 spirit, like, you couldn't have did that to that kid back then. Like, what the fuck are y'all talking about? We ain't doing that. Teachers had a horrible <laughs> time with me. Like, we, I'm not performing that one. I'm going to come out there nice and slow. Watch. Just watch. Let yeah. me come out from the audience. Give me the microphone and let me sit with the crowd. They ain't even going to know. The parents ain't even gonna know what's happening to them <laughs> and what happened. You kill it. Like, let me do my thing. You know, so... A lot of lessons again just had to get had to get learned, man. You know, right? And it's it's never about the records because I feel like any record today, especially, can be a hit. Any record mm -hmm. today, because you got the money to push it, it's gonna win. That's what it is. Mm -hmm. Who you paying? Right. Yeah. Who you paying to play it? Who you paying to spin it? Who you paying to make sure it's on this cover and that cover? Who you paying to do? It's a money game. Yep. So. For me, it just it was my this this was my message, my first my first introduction again, my message to just say, Look, I got some good ass music. What y'all talking about? This is exactly. and this was all this was done this was done effortlessly though. This is effortless. Right. This is not oh man, we gotta push it back because it's not you know, I was watching what's that dude? What's that dude? Um Gary, what's his name? Uh, he's like a motivational speaker, financial speaker and shit. Uh, I'm not sure. You know, the no. guy who always, he's, yeah, yeah, the guy, Gary, uh, look, I'm mad when I figured out after this podcast, <laughs> but the dude, I mean, he taught, he'd be taught, he'd be talking that shit. And I, I, I swear I was, I was working on this album and one of his things, one of his specials came on and he said it, he said, People talk about, oh, it's not done yet, it's not right yet, it's not, it's, you know, I still got, I just got to, I'm just waiting for it to get mixed all the way right. He was like, you scared, period. You scared. Mm -hmm. You don't believe in it. I don't want to hear that, oh, well, it ain't mixed, or oh, that's why, or no, this didn't come back right, we got to put the, if, if, why, why can't it come out right now? You scared. And I had to realize that, like, yo, I'm thinking too deep. Yeah, I'm not. I'm not going over here to find this and that and this. That means I don't believe in me. Mm -hmm. That means I don't believe in the people that's standing right beside me right now. You know what I mean? That's a slap in the face to them. That's a slap in the face to myself. So it was like 
all those experiences coming back to help me today, like, nah, this is what I'm doing, and I'm going to stay on this track. I'm going to stay on this focus. You know what right. I mean? Like, no no more will I let, you know, let myself be completely directed. Now, don't don't get me wrong. I'm coachable. I'm not naive. That's the, I think that's why, for me, making the switch and saying I'm, I'm going to also be a businessman behind this is because I'm, I'm able to understand the artist side, but I'm able to understand that business side. Like, okay, yeah, the artist in me wants to do X, Y, and Z. But the businessman in me is saying, hell no, we're not doing that. We got to do this. You know, so I'm not, I'm not naive. When I, when I know, when I see good direction, when I hear good direction, I'm with it. But no more am I doing the, hey, let's try it. No, fuck that. We're not doing that. We're <laughs> yeah. not doing that. We, no, new plan. <laughs> new plan. Call right. somebody else in here. I'm not happy with that. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? That's what it comes down to now, like being in total control. And that's so much more important. As, us as artists, these days, we worry about the money because that's what people rapping about. That's what people singing about, money. Money, 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 money. Money, hoes, uh, cars, how much jewelry, like, you said it, you said it yourself. I can't relate to everything that's being talked about. I ain't no fucking drug dealer. I don't know what it's like to go down and then go and then go get two bags, go to Gucci yeah. and go buy two two bags because I just sold three bags. Like, come on, bro. I don't know. I don't know that life. You know exactly. what I'm saying? So, so I'm not gonna pretend anymore. I'm not gonna be around people who are saying, "How can we get him to sing like Chris?" or "How can we get him to talk about what Chase Songs is talking about?" or "How can we?" I don't need nobody doing that. I need somebody that's behind me like, yo, that dude really know who he is. And I believe mm-hmm. in that. And that's what I want to help. That's what I want to push. I want to push that. I want to push exactly. that because I see it. I feel it. I, I can relate to that. And and luckily, bro, I've been blessed to have fans and supporters that, that understand that and feel that off the music. So I, I, don't, I don't hold none of my past... Like, I'm not bitter about none of that shit. And that's why I'm off. Like, for me, GMFU was a little darker. It was, like, a little more bitter sounding. Like, it right. was, you know, oh, oh, you know, you want to hear this? All right, I'm going to do this. And then, like, now I'm like, no, I'm not going to be in control at all. You don't have my emotions at all. I'm really having a good fucking time loving music and loving the fact that I'm able to make good music. Like, that's a blessing. Not everybody is able to make good music. Even when they try, right. so that's what that's what I took. That's what I went with. <laughs> exactly, and you know, like we said, man, we're loving what you're doing. We, we've been an early supporter. Glad to still be here supporting, and uh, thank you. You know, glad to see you keeping it going now as an independent artist. You still got that movement going, and you know, yeah. it's exciting to watch play out. Well, we're just about yeah. out of time, Adrian. Just want to touch on one last thing. Another exciting yeah. piece of news you got coming up is is the movie you're going to be a part of. Can you tell us oh, about man, that? Oh, yeah. The DeBarge movie, yeah. So it's it's it's, a, it's it's ran with TV One, man. It's called the Bobby it's the Bobby DeBarge story. It's about Bobby DeBarge, man. Um, his, his, um, his ups and downs in the limelight, you know what I'm saying? Like around a time where it was just surrounded by, you know, family trauma and, all kind of different, you know, romantic relationships and whatnot, and at the same time, drugs and rock and roll type shit, you know? It, um, mm-hmm. But at the same time, it was about the DeBarges as well. So I played James DeBarge, um, you know, one that joined later on and one that was the one that married Janet. So, you know, I was, I was juiced, man, because it was the first time that I played a role where I didn't have to sing. So I'm mm-hmm. like the only role that's not singing in this. Like everybody else's role gets to sing except me. And I'm. People were kind of upset about it. Like my my people were like, "Yo, why the fuck? Why are you? Why haven't you played L or da da da?" Like, nah, you don't understand. Like James and Bobby had a certain history that was one of the most traumatic of the, of 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 it all through them, through him and, and their father and. For me to be able to, for me to do that role was for me to really show like, hey, I got some, I got some chops, you know what I mean? So, you know, I'm excited. It was my first time really being in a in a, in a feature film, bro, and experiencing it and and really mar- marking that off my list of things that I wanted to get into. So, 
you know, it's kind of like the beginning with this, but it drops June uh, 29th, uh, Saturday, June 29th this month, man, on TV one. And, uh, I think you guys, I think you guys are going to, are going to really enjoy it, man. It's, it's pretty deep. You know, their family went through a lot of, a lot of, I'm going to just say shit. Yeah. Wow. But you gotta, you gotta see it though, man. It's, it's really dope how they shot it. You know what I mean? Like everybody in it was, was really good, man. And, you know, like I said, I get, I got to show off a couple of my chops and things. So I'm, I'm juiced about it, man. I got to put on the lace front, you know what I mean? On some, on some San Francisco <laughs> pimp, on some, on some San Francisco pimp shit, you know, filmo in there looking, looking suave and shit. I'm like, all right. Yeah, I'm in this. I like this. So it was dope. It was a dope experience for real. That's awesome, man. We're looking forward to checking that out. And uh, we're out of time, man. We want to thank you so much for joining us, taking the time out of your day, and talking about thank the music with us, man. Absolutely. Um, just we keep looking forward to see what you're going to come with. Loving what you're doing, so keep it going, man. And that was Adrian Marcel on the podcast. Ed, are you now ready for the Play It Please Awards? Listen, play. I've been living for this one. Uh, so we got a couple, as usual. Ed, can we st- first start off? Let's go a little easy. But uh, you were in Atlanta not too long ago, and your boy Quavo from the Migos has announced he wants to do an R&B album. <sighs> first of all, my boy Quavo is enough for a backhand on my end. Why... I'm gonna I'm gonna bring it down and I'm gonna bring it back up. We talked a little bit earlier about how R&B sounds in 2019 and my issue with it. How R&B has become mumbling over a verse or screaming into auto tune, and this is R&B. And although a lot of people will be in my mentions at ET Bowser on Twitter, you know how we do, yelling at me about how I'm old and I don't understand what R&B is. Let me just tell you what R&B is not. R&B is not a rap dude hollering over a murky beat. R&B is not somebody sour singing over a hip-hop track. R&B is actual instrumentation, vocalization, crafted songs by people who use their voices as an instrument. I have never heard Quavo in my life sing a lick, but if I expect him to be harmonizing, vocalizing, or using his instruments, I will need to lessen my expectations because I don't think it's going to happen. Quavos, get over there and continue to make your trash hip-hop that I can ignore and stay out of my R&B. <laughs> Isn't the bare minimum to at least be able to sing? Not anymore. Ask your boy Drake. And Cousin Chris, as much as I beat him up, he has a good voice, but he didn't even do that half design. And it's because I don't want to go on this down this rabbit hole of a rant. But the way that our industry, mainstream, I'm not talking about overall, because there are plenty of artists doing the thing. Mainstream has corrupted the minds of mainstream listeners to think that R and B is not something that is sung by professional singers. It is a style of beat that anybody can do by just talking slow or yelling over with auto-tune. That's not what R&B is. That's yelling over auto-tune. That's talking slow. Let's give a quick shout out to T-Pain for ruining R&B. Oh, I will kick him in his kneecaps. And don't tell me that he can sing for real and send me that same link y'all been sending me for 10 years. I know he can sing. He made none of those songs. Those were hits. Y'all made the other songs hits. I'm in my feelings now, play. I'm heated. Well, you're not the only one heated, Ed. DJ Khaled, his album dropped, like I mentioned, recently. And he landed at number two on the Billboard Top 200 charts. Tyler, the creator, is number one. And DJ Khaled allegedly threw a temper tantrum at his label's office. Man, he's passionate, isn't he, Ed? He's ridiculous is what he is. First of all, let me clear up the story a little bit because I will give Khaled credit. Apparently, Khaled said that he was not upset 
that Tyler's album was ahead of his. Yeah, right. He said that he was upset because the way that the sales were calculated, it has, I mean, you guys can Google it. I don't want to um, misquote him, but it was something to the equivalent of he was selling albums with some kind of prepackaged deals. Like, and this, I mean, we, all of us who have observed the industry know this. Sometimes you get albums with hats and whatever, whatever. So it was some prepackaged thing that was not calculated in time. And he said that if it was, he would have had number one album. And because it wasn't, he was number two, and he was pissy about it. Let me tell you how to get a number one album player. Not to package it with some t-shirts or some stank hats, but to make an album that's actually good. Your album was horrible. There was one good song on it from my boy Nipsey Hussle. So, of course... Because, you know, everybody's on the Nipsey train now because we love you once you're gone, but ignore you when you're here. Everybody rolled. He was pushing that song to the forefront. It's actually a good song, so do check that out. So he rolled the wave of that song, and then when you got the album, you had to hear terrible songs like that Scissor Outcast track. I wasn't in love. I reviewed Tyler's album. You can check it out on soulandstereo.com. I didn't love it as much as most, but it was a vastly superior album. So don't be in your feelings that you got beat by a more talented artist. That's how it goes, dog. Want more sales? Make a better album. Seems like a simple equation there. And then the last play, please, Ed. I don't know how long you want to go in on this. And I'm kind of scared. But we're going to give a play, please, <laughs> to the Beehive, to Beyonce, to uh, Stephanie Mills, to Lettuce, everyone that was defending this. Because, but Ed, before you go in, can't Beyonce just speak up and stop her fans from being crazy? Well, see, that's what I want to go in about. I'm sure most of you have already heard the story. So, J and B were at one of the NBA Finals games. I forget the woman's name. I apologize for that. Someone attending the game, sitting beside Beyonce... Leans over Beyonce to ask Jay-Z, hey, what you want to drink? Jay-Z says, oh, I want a vodka soda or something like that. Okay. The cameras catch just a split second catch Beyonce's eyebrow raised or something. So these beehive morons are like, how dare this lady disrespect the queen? And they harass her to the point that she has to close her social media. It's the most ridiculous thing I've ever heard. And what is even more ridiculous, player, is the excuses that I've heard. And the excuses all revolve around the same thing. Well, that woman was in Beyonce's personal space. Let me tell you something about your personal space, dog. You must have never attended a professional game ever. You must have never gone to a church before. Because if you have been in a gathering of multiple people and you're sitting beside somebody, that's going to happen. How else could she talk to Jay-Z if there's a thousand million people screaming and whistles going off and buzzers and whatever? She had to lean over. That's called what human beings do. And do we even know what Beyonce, was she really mad? Or was she about to sneeze? Or did her eye itch? Beyonce never said that she was upset about this. Why are y'all so maniacally obsessed with what some other couple's life is like? Chill out but again i'm going to back up on that really my whole beef at this point is just with beyonce herself yes beyonce herself i said here's why beyonce's publicist came out with some ridiculous statement that was the equivalent of oh beehive we love y'all we appreciate y'all you're so beautiful you smell like jelly beans oh you're so wonderful by the way don't be mean to people we love you love you love you kisses and smooches now nah, a whole bunch of bee things <laughs> i write statements for public officials for a living and i can tell you when a statement is stupid that statement was trash because that statement did not which was intended to tell the beehive to calm down they didn't do anything. And that was from their publicist. That would be like me sending out a statement for a public official. Y'all know me, but the public doesn't know me. What should have happened is Beyonce should have cut one of them grainy little raggedy IG videos that y'all love to do. Ten seconds. Hey, Beehive. Listen, this got out of hand. 
Let's pull back a little bit. It's all good. I still love y'all. If she did that for six seconds, that would have shown more. But the reason why I don't think she did is because she doesn't want to screw up the beehive because she doesn't want to make them mad and affect her sales. Very disappointed in your feminist icon, Beyonce, on this one. Yeah, because she has, I'm sure Beyonce knows that there's this thing going on on social media where her beehives are just bullying everyone. And she's never stood in and said stop, which kind of makes me believe that she's enabling and allowing and maybe even to an extent want the bullying to go on. And we can't stand for that in 2019. There's so much hate going on. The last thing we want or need is Beyonce and her beehives to be taking over the internet. Let me tell you something that's going to make everybody mad and it's going to blow this podcast up. So for the last third and final time, E.T. Bowser on Twitter is where you can go send me death threats. I will gladly ignore them. Beyonce's whole thing is support, respect, and the upliftment of women. But we are going to let this lady get destroyed for absolutely no reason by, unfortunately, mostly other women. If you are the beacon of, uh, you're the voice for feminists in pop culture, and you are letting this ride and sending your minions out to talk in your behalf, and you ain't said nothing, that makes me see that you ain't about it for real, lady. Because that is not something that someone who stands for equal and fair and love treatment of women. That should not be the stance that you take. And you're taking that stance because you don't want your money to get messed up. Like, just keep it real. That's what this is. And if it's money over women, you sound like, well, actually her husband did have a song that was kind of like money over women. So I guess she's keeping <laughs> it in the family. Mm-hmm. I'm just saying, y'all, I'm not, I'm here and I'm looking at this thing through a lens that in a world that I actually inhabit. This ain't me just sitting around, throwing around stuff, and it's something I'm not known about. This is what I do for a living. I know when something's right. I know when something's wrong. And I know that all that bluster and all that homecoming and all that support of women looking mighty funny in the light right now. Get it together. And you're absolutely right on that. And then lastly, Ed, I just want to point out or ask, I thought... Being a stan ended when you were like 18 years old, but I was looking at some of those comments. Some of those women are grown-ass women, and they're, 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 they're trolling on the internet. I thought that ended after high school. Man, I saw Stephanie Mills up there. I was like, what is going on in the world? It is ridiculous. We have become to define ourselves by running up other, throwing people under the bus, in support of people that we have never met in our life. And I'm not saying Stephanie's never met Beyonce. Maybe she has. But Stephanie is somebody of her distinction. I need her to use some common sense. Because you are enabling. And I don't. I think it was Lettucey that kind of came out. And shout out to Lettucey. I know she listens to the podcast. We love Lettucey. But I can't let you ride on this one either, Mom. Because I think she came out and was saying, Oh, everybody shouldn't be mad at Stephanie. Don't diss Stephanie. Okay. That's cool. However, use your platform to take that message further and say, instead of attacking Stephanie like we attacked this woman, how about we support all women? How about we not attack these people? Why am I not a woman and I'm speaking stronger of supporting women than actual women? What are we doing? These stands are ridiculous, man. You don't see any well, Keith Sweat stands acting up. <laughs> I was going to say, Ed, I got to remind you, you're a Keith Sweat stand, not a beehive member so well maybe listen, that's why we got it together <laughs> you guys sure do um ed that seems to be it for this week's podcast um what's going on with soinstereo.com i seen you make a post about like songs made by white artists that would be played at a cookout and i saw a britney spears song on there what's going on Oh, yeah. So this is a product of the Soul and Stereo Cypher on Facebook. If you're not a member of the Cypher, go check that out. Facebook. It's a Facebook group. Nothing but music heads in there. It's so much fun and it's a safe space. So don't worry about any trolling because we don't accommodate any of that there. However, there was a conversation about songs from white artists 
that we love. And I'm not talking about Blue Eyed Souls. I'm not talking about Tina Marie and Robin Thicke and Justin Timberlake. No, we're talking about white pop songs. Everybody was talking about their favorites, so I compiled them all into a 50-song playlist. Folks, some folks were mad because their favorite didn't get in. That's okay. Make your own playlist. But for this one, 50 songs from the Soul and Stereo Cypher from white pop artists that, yep, still get love at the cookout. Go check that out. That playlist is doing very, very well. And some other stuff. Man, it's been so long. Album reviews from Tyler, the Creator, and our boy, Rasan Patterson. Both of those are up. I look back at the career of one of my favorites, my girl, Kelly Price. We ranked her entire discography. That's up. By the time this post, this um, podcast post, one of our contributors, my man Alex Goodman, he's going back and revisiting some of T.I.'s best songs. That'll be up. Man, soul and stereo cypher popping. Yes, sir. And on You Know I Got Soul, we're just going to continue booking these guests for the podcast. Let's get that going. But, Ed, I think that's it for this week. Pleasure as always. Let's get Tom back next week and have all three of us. But I guess, Ed, until then, I'll talk to you next week. Yes, hopefully next week the beehive will be somewhere squashed and things will be back to normal. But probably not. (laughs) We can only hope.